is Daria Supanburdina, and you're listening to Intimacies by Daria. Here we talk about longing and loneliness, intimacy, and lack thereof. And I started the show pretty much because I am a chronically lonely girl. For a very long time, I was trying to move forward from the first relationship that I'd been in with the first person that I loved, somebody that I shared a lot of intimacy with in a way that I'd never ever experienced with anybody else and I guess somebody who also left me with a lot of pain that took me a really long time to fully recognize and understand and process and that I mean in some ways is still with me and still affects certain I guess behaviors or impulses or worries or hopes that I have regarding what comes next in my romantic life and so if you've listened to this podcast before then you know that I actually finally started to really move on from that relationship pretty much exactly a year ago where exactly a year ago was when I found out that my former lover was himself finally moving on with somebody very seriously and that relationship it it had been quite on and off and so even though we no longer were together there was still a big part of me that that hadn't really realized that this is the end and that there will be no more try agains and so once i unexpectedly learned that he was moving on in a significant and meaningful way that was probably one of the most painful moments that i've ever experienced in my romantic life and i mean in some ways i guess in my larger life too as my romantic life and my experience of life are oftentimes very tied together and so if you listen to the last episode then perhaps you might know that the last episode was when i for the first time started to talk about somebody else other than my former lover on this podcast and that was a very exciting time for me because last april to be exact on april 26th i had gone on a date with a young man who must i had matched with on hinge and somebody that you know i had met at a time when i'd finally felt like i let go of my former lover in a way that i hadn't been able to before and suddenly there was all this malleable sensitive space left in me and I went on the state and from the start I just had this feeling about this person and I got there and that feeling <laughs> was reinforced by the fact that he was absolutely incredibly sexy and absurdly charming and from the first few moments of being in each other's company I just felt so at ease in a way that I'd never really felt before in a date and I felt at the same time really switched on and excited and yet oddly secure and peaceful and he reminded me of this side of me that I had known when I was 11 years old where I just felt very young and playful and strangely safe in the company of somebody that I simply didn't at all know. Yeah, so in the last episode I talk about this massive crush that I had on this young man and how it ended up going nowhere because either it was never meant to go nowhere, it was never meant to go anywhere, or perhaps I had played my cards terribly wrong and 
messed up any possibility of it going somewhere. Long story short, what had happened was that I slept with this young man too fast, too soon. And it was awesome. And it reminded me that sex can be really wonderful and that even though the relationship I had been in left me feeling really uncomfortable in my own body and I guess just still reckoning with the reality that I had been with someone who I really loved and who really genuinely loved me very much and yet also continued to basically from the beginning of us knowing each other until pretty much the end leave me feeling deeply uncomfortable when it came to sex and my own body and so it was very exciting to finally have met somebody that I had all these young romantic feelings for and to have sex with them and to really absolutely love it and of course I got awfully excited (laughs) because I'm a romantic girl even though I try to fight it because I know that it's not always the most convenient thing to be and I don't want to get into it too much because I talked about it on the last episode and tonight I have another story (laughs) to share but basically I continued to think of this person every day for the next nine months until January of this year even though the last time that we that I had heard from him would be on I think the 4th of July and it was a little bit insane of me some could even argue awfully insane of me that I continued to think of him every single day and had this gut feeling that you know that this person and I there was something genuinely meaningful between us and that there was this two-way connection and that even if he might have disappeared into the wind that he's going to come back and that something extraordinary was going to take place between us i thought about him until january of this year until i finally decided daria i cannot do this because i need to move on with my life and i guess i have yeah i have but i still think about him from time to time because he was such a romantic place to go to And if I'm being very honest, actually, it's been a little bit of a difficult time since January as a lot of last year, even though the first few months were really heavy because I was grappling with, you know, accepting that the only person that I've ever loved, that they're finally gone for good and then I'd met this young man and developed such strong feelings for him and even though there was a part of me that was convinced that he felt something for me too it did not at all go my way and we only ended up meeting each other three times and he ended up ghosting me and I don't believe it was out of negligence I think it was actually out of care that he no longer responded to me because he understood that we want very different things but still I guess objectively speaking one could say that I had a hard year romantically but it was odd because that's not actually what it felt like because that entire time of thinking of him for those nine long months I I was just in such a romantic headspace and I was I guess somewhat delusional and convinced that I was going to earn this young man's 
affection and that he might think I'm insane, but that I think he's also a bit endeared and intrigued by my insanity. And so I would think about him every day. And I would dream of him. Well, not dream of him. Actually, weirdly, I didn't have many dreams of him, but I would daydream about him all the time on the train. And it was just very bizarre because even though my romantic life was, objectively speaking, barren, because this young man was not at all seeing me or contacting me, and because of my compulsive feelings for him, every time that I would go on a date with anybody else and every time somebody else would try to kiss me, I would be physically incapable of reciprocating feelings or kisses because my mind was a one-track, one-track mind of only thinking about my crush. And so my, yeah, my romantic life was barren and yet I just felt so fulfilled and on cloud nine all the time because I had this really fantastic, soft, romantic place to go to and to kind of recollect those few times that we had met and relive how incredibly amazing he made me feel and it was it was a dreamland for nine months and so since january ever since i laid that dream to rest for good i honestly have been i've recently realized a little bit perhaps depressed where it's interesting because i actually have been the most stable and functional that i've ever been and i you know, externally, it actually probably seems like I, I'm i doing pretty well where I go to my classes and I go to my internship and I see friends regularly. And so I'm not really falling apart during my lows in the way that I used to. And yet, since January, I've been cycling through just a lot of the same depressive feelings of just feeling as though life is really flat and being a terrible girl in the sense that feeling like understanding how lucky I am and yet also really struggling to I guess see meaning in life and to derive much pleasure from all these things that should be giving me pleasure and I guess I say I'm a terrible girl for that but also I understand that that's kind of just part of your condition as a human being that regardless of how lucky you are I think we're all going to question the meaning of things and sometimes not really want to be around these parts of town and by these parts of town I mean life and those feelings come and go and since I put my crush to rest they'd been coming a lot <laughs> because I I prefer to move through this world romantically and I think after going through a rather tough breakup and then for nine long months feeding into my delusional hope that something was going to work out and then realizing finally that I had been delusional for all that time. It finally made me understand men a little bit better, or at least the men that I've shared intimacy with and the reality that every time that I've shared my body with someone too soon, that I was not at all special to them and that I had misjudge the situation and I guess rushed in to physical intimacy out of this hope that things were going to go my way and by my way I mean in, a, in some romantic way 
when they wouldn't. It's funny because I've been trying to learn the same lesson for around probably almost like six, seven years. And it's finally only recently, probably around since January, February, that I feel like it's finally been drilled into me. And I hope that's the case. I hope I'm not going to continue to repeat the same mistake. Just persistent hope in me that even though I know that it's not the right thing to do and I know it's not the way to get the kind of intimacy that I'm really seeking but maybe things will still go romantically and that maybe I just need to lean into something that feels right in the moment and that it'll feel right after that moment too and it'll become something extraordinary and it's hard because again as I said I've been (laughs) cycling through some heavy feelings and part of it is because it's easy to judge myself for repeating the same mistake over and over again and to tell myself that I am just a naughty girl who is an imbecile but I don't think that's really the case I mean I can be naughty and I can be an imbecile but I don't think that's why I've continued to make the same mistake I think it's honestly just because I am a very hopeful and very romantic person and oddly resilient even when I shouldn't be on that front of you know getting my hopes up romantically and getting harshly (laughs) disillusioned and then somehow getting back on that horse but i'm thinking a lot about all this actually as just an introduction to the story that i have to share tonight before we get into the juicy things i just want to give a gentle content warning where in the later part of this episode i'm going to be discussing a little bit my history with self-harm and i hope i do it in such a way that it's not triggering but instead is exploratory and perhaps insightful i try to do it in a way that it's not scary but if at any time you feel that perhaps this is not what feels very good to you to listen to and maybe it'd be good to just turn my voice off and go for a walk or go listen to anything else on the internet or go eat a delicious sandwich then that is a great idea for you to do yeah so i just want to mention that because it can be nice to know what you're stepping into and some days we feel more ready to face certain taboo subject and some days that's just not not what we're feeling and that's okay on around february 1st i think i met a young man at a birthday party and that was incredibly exciting because as i said i you know i had a one-track mind for nine long months and then I finally let tried well I guess decided that I'm letting go of my crush and I was trying to go on dates again and it still felt impossible and after every date all I would think about was this crush and I was feeling very hopeless and very flat and on a strange Monday in the beginning of February I was invited to the birthday of a lovely young woman and so I went to this birthday party really unsure of what to expect because beyond the lovely birthday human i didn't know anybody and so i get there and it's a small gathering it was probably around maybe 10 people and immediately i meet a young man with whom i felt something between us and that was so exciting what pretty much happened was that we talked and it was lovely and it was funny and i don't know it was the kind of thing where just from the beginning i could tell 
that he kind of liked me and I could I think he could tell that I kind of liked him and it was very playful and light and I just finally was just so thrilled to be talking to a young man and to be excited about him and to be unsure of what is going on but to be really I guess feel this like palpable charge between us and I am the way I am and so what <laughs> happened was that by the end of the night I asked this young man whether he's going home when I saw that he might be going home and he told me yeah he's going home and I asked him may I come home with you and he was taken aback but he enthusiastically said yes you may come home with me and I came home with him and I he was very taken aback I mean I also was somewhat taken aback by me because I don't really go around asking young men that I don't really know if I can come home with them but I guess maybe my thinking was oh my gosh, I need to grab hold of him, I can't let him get away, which in retrospect was not the wisest decision perhaps, but we'll get to that part of the story. And so I go home with this young man. And then what transpired was so wonderful where it just felt very intimate and I felt really safe by him and we were being very playful and I felt very young by him and I was being kind of goofy and weird and we ended up doing the sexy sex as one does sometimes when you come home with a stranger. And it was just so bizarre to me because I felt, again, so safe. And the way that he would touch me just felt as though it wasn't just a just a disposable, casual, one-night thing. Where he just was so cuddly and affectionate. And it was just so confusing because, I guess for a long time until recently i really believed that if a man is cuddling you and, and being affectionate with you and looking at you in a certain way then it must mean that he has some kind of feelings for you larger than just the signals that his penis may be sending to him about wanting to penetrate your body but i've learned that actually a man can cuddle you with no with no anything attached to it at all where sometimes he just cuddles you because it feels good just like sometimes he has sex with you because it feels good and that's all there is to it and so after we did the sexy sex in such an affectionate manner we fell asleep and we cuddled and the next morning i stayed over until midday and i thought this is so strange He's not kicked me out yet. He is telling me all these odd things about how he's planning his birthday and how summer starts for him in January and how he's going to take a walk today by the Hudson. And the whole time I thought, what a weirdo. Why is he telling me all these things? But I guess enjoying it too, because I was like, oh, how idiosyncratic. And perhaps it just means that he feels affection for me and wants to share his life with me. And that's a beautiful thing. So I listened and I giggled along and finally he tells me that he needs to get on gets on with his day and so i i left and after in my head i was like okay daria you clearly once again made the same mistake you've made over and over and there's no way that this is going to go your way and so i actually felt quite bad after and i thought oh my gosh why am i such a lusty compulsive imbecile sometimes and i was down in the dumps and then I thought to myself, well, <laughs> I don't want to talk to myself like that, so I'm not going to, because I don't have to. And then I thought to myself, well, actually, this is exciting, 
for nine long months, all I could ever think about was my crush. And now suddenly, I'm sitting here down in the dumps about this other young man who, until the day before yesterday, I didn't even know existed. And so then, my stubbornly romantic side thought, you know what? I must persevere because no guts, no glory, and maybe it is already a losing game. But if I back out of the game now, what kind of woman would I be? So I remembered how this young man that week had an art show coming up because we had discussed that at the party before, well, I asked him if I could come home with them and then we made affectionate love together and then I left his house. But yeah, at the birthday we discussed this art show and I thought, huh, perhaps I should do a romantic gesture because I love a romantic gesture and... I'm going to show up there like a super casual, relaxed young woman who doesn't have a care in the world. And I'm going to go up to him and I'm going to be like, hey man, you're here too. What? That's crazy. By the way, when we made affectionate sweet love, it was awesome. And I thought that I would never feel anything again for any man because of a six foot one incredibly delicious Jewish man from Morocco whom I would sacrifice all of my pigs for if I was a pig farmer. But alas, then I met you. And and now I wanted to stop by your art show and tell you if you want to hang out sometime and stroke my hair and get tacos, then we could do that. I can arrange that. And if not, man, that's totally fine too because I'm a super chill, relaxed girl who attends men's art shows just for the heck of it. So no pressure. But I love a good taco with a good sexy man. So that was my plan to show up at his art show and say something along the lines of that. And uh, I thought, uh, you know, like I shouldn't mention it to him that I'm coming because technically he had invited me when we were still at the birthday and it'll be a brief thing and it'll be cute and romantic and we had such a playful funny relaxed time you know it's not gonna be a big deal so I went I brought a couple of my close friends and we went to this art show in Bushwick where it was this collective of quintessentially New York characters and artists who had actually incredible artwork up and it was a very cool thing lang to attend and what ended up happening was that I came to perform a romantic gesture grand one and what resulted was a mortifying tragedy one could argue I guess I would argue and so we go up to the third floor where his art exhibit is going on and we spot him and my friends are like let's just hang about until he spots us too and we're hanging about and I'm perhaps maybe only three feet away from him at some point and I'm just sitting there pretending I don't see him until he sees me and my friends and I were whispering to each other like juvenile girls and then the next moment I look over and I realized that he is actually canoodling with another girl three feet away from me. And at this point, my chest plummets. My stomach drops. I'm a dead woman inside. And I realized that I've made a grave mistake. 
And then what I set out to be a grand romantic gesture is now going to be a grand, giant, mortifying embarrassment that I'm going to have to think about every day for the rest of my life. And so at this point, I've realized that he's canoodling another girl. He's realized that I'm here too and has likely realized that I have realized that he's canoodling another girl. I'm trying to catch a glimpse of him. He's not looking me in the eyes at all. He's not looking me at all. The girl that he's canoodling when he suddenly looks over at me. So now everybody's aware of the fact that this is an atrociously uncomfortable situation. At this point, my friends have also realized what an atrociously uncomfortable situation this is. And so they freeze. They don't know what to do with me. I don't know what to do with myself either. I can't breathe. I'm starting to really forget how to breathe. He's three feet away from me, canoodling this girl, even though he made affectionate love to me just a couple of nights before. And I was so bewildered. Finally, though, this young man, he gets up and he goes downstairs. And this, I realize, is my opportunity to escape this third floor prison of an exhibition. And I go downstairs. My friends and I get downstairs. They're bewildered. They don't know what to do with me. I'm a ticking bomb and they know it. And they're like, Daria, what do you want to do? I can't hear them. There's just white noise. I'm looking around and I see him. I see him at the bar. And now I'm not thinking it's flight or flight or fight. And I guess I choose fight or flight in the wrong direction where I see him and I make my way straight to him and my friends are behind me and they don't even know what to do so they stay behind me and I walk over alone and I poke him on the shoulder and I say hello <laughs> and he's like oh hi <laughs> and thanks for coming treating me like any other person who came to see his art exhibit when I'm not here for your art exhibit man I came here as a grand romantic gesture and yeah so he's like oh thanks for coming and I'm like yeah man Anytime. Is that your lover upstairs? <laughs> He's like, oh, that's my ex-girlfriend, but we're kind of on and off. And he's mortified. This young man can't look me in the eyes, even though just a couple of nights ago, again, he made affectionate, intense love to me, and now he can't even look me in the eyes? Clearly, this grand romantic gesture of mine was not going at all how I hoped. And... So to that, I'm like, okay, cool. It was a terrible thing to hear where I think I would have preferred to say it if he, I would have preferred to hear that it was his lover. Because when you learn that it's somebody's ex-girlfriend, then you really realize how insignificant and meaningless of a night of sexual debauchery you were to them. That you really meant absolutely nothing beyond fulfilling their sexual desires. Because they're clearly still in love with this woman who takes up all of their headspace and, you know, they continue to see and canoodle. And so, yeah, at this point I realized there, there is no hope for me in this situation. And he is so deeply uncomfortable. I can see it written all over his face. And he's quite explicitly trying to get away from me at this point. But alas, I make him stay and I tell him, look, I just came to say something. And so I'm going to say it, and it's only going to take a couple of seconds. So let just please let me say it. And he knows he has no choice but to stay and listen. And so I begin my grand soliloquy that I'd planned before, and I say something along the lines of, 
look, like, I had a really nice time the other night, and the truth is, I'm a very romantic person, and so I just wanted to come here and not play games and just say that I had a nice time and I would love to hang out again, and if you'd like that too, that'd be cool, and if not, that's fine too. And I think it likely sounds somewhat relaxed and charming when you hear it right now, but I will say I was getting progressively visibly upset and so I was trying to get my soliloquy out in a cool calm collected manner but I'm pretty sure my voice was quite shaky and it probably looked like I was on the verge of tears because that sometimes happens to me and this young man is just I've never seen somebody so mortified and unable to look me in the eyes and the entire time he's nodding along nodding along and saying yeah yeah like affirming me in a way that he's not really listening even and nor trying to engage with what I'm saying but just trying to shut it down as fast as he can so he can run back upstairs to his ex-girlfriend and so yeah by then I accept my defeat and I'm about to explode into many tears so I walk away and I walk straight outside and I stand on the sidewalk in Bushwick and I start sobbing And my friends run out after me and they're like, what's going on? We thought we were here for a grand romantic gesture, not a grand romantic failure. And I stand there and I stare up at the sky and I shake my hands at the sky, wanting to curse God for, I don't know, for continuing to let me make a complete fool of myself when it comes to my romantic life. And I cry very hard for a long time. And I'd say over and over again how I just want to disappear. Now I'm just so tired. I'm so tired of myself. And I'm so tired of guys. And I'm so tired of New York. And I just want to disappear. And that's what happened. <laughs> and yeah. And I keep crying until finally I stop crying. Because oftentimes if you cry long enough, you stop crying. And I guess that was kind of it where what ended up happening was that my friends and I returned back uptown and we had this dinner scheduled and for a moment I decided that I can't go because I'm really upset and I, the last thing I want to do is go to some dinner with people that I don't know and talk about things that I don't really want to talk about because all I want to do is go home and cry in the darkness and that was going to be my plan and somehow on our ride back uptown, I realized that actually I guess I should go to dinner. And so I decided, okay, fine. I'm going to be a brave big girl and I'm going to go to this dinner even though I am in deep pain. And somehow along the car ride, my friends and I were talking about other things on their mind and about their day and being as present as I could be in that conversation helped me to feel better. And I laughed. And then I started laughing, I guess, about what had happened and talking about how, well, that's just life. And that it's, it condition, it's helping condition me. <laughs> and that it's nice to feel something. That it's nicer to feel something than nothing at all. And that I'm deeply embarrassed but that I've embarrassed myself in front of many men and honestly in ways that have been worse than this and that's okay and that it's something I will laugh a lot about soon and all of that made me feel kind of okay 
it made me feel really strong i guess to i don't know i guess pursue someone pretty aggressively and romantically even though the chances of it working out were really slim and to show up there and tell him what i had to say even though i had just suffered one of the greatest humiliations of my life and even though he likely will now go back to his ex-girlfriend and be like that was really uncomfortable it made me feel strong to go and do that and embarrass myself and then go sob outside in bushwick and then somehow even though i felt like i wanted to really disappear to be able to get in the car be present in conversation and to laugh and to reframe things in my mind and to agree to go to a dinner that i at that point really did not want to go and so i went to this dinner and i met some really lovely girls for the first time and <laughs> explained them that i'm really sorry that i'm late and explain them the story and it was nice to laugh about something that was really embarrassing to people that i didn't know who appreciated it and who laughed and who told me their stories and how they've had a really difficult time dating too and how they feel pretty crazy too it was really nice because yeah it made me feel less alone and it also made me feel really strong to have felt a lot of pain and to have still showed up somewhere that I'd agreed to show up to and tried my best to be there and to smile and to not hold back. Yeah, so I guess I was really proud of myself for doing that because a year ago, two years ago, I would not have been able to do that. I would have sobbed and I would have gone home and I would have cried in the dark. I would have felt really awful. So by the end of this dinner, I felt really nice. And I guess the reason why I'm here right now recording this episode finally is because even though I felt nice and strong from the decisions that I made, I came home finally and got to my room and felt really alone and felt really bad. Where even though I went to this dinner, I came home and... I also cried in the dark and felt like I don't remember how to breathe and lay there for a while and felt really disgusting in my own body because I think about the sex that I had with this stranger, sex that I not only agreed to but initiated and initiated enthusiastically, sex that I did not really hold back on. And then I think about, I guess, <laughs> how... Well, I just subjected myself to something really embarrassing and how this person has somebody that he clearly like cares a lot about and who like because of these circumstances in his life simply does not at all care for me. And I feel kind of disgusting in my body where I feel like I have made a, the same mistake that I have told myself many times not to make, a mistake that has hurt me really deeply at the time that I make it and it feels like a mistake that does come at a high price because it is so tied to my body whereas I was lying in the dark crying trying to remember how to breathe I just started to feel really disconnected from my body and again quite gross because sex is something that is so easy to remember and like visualize and like come back to in your own imagination 
and suddenly what had felt really nice, it's easy for it to turn into something that makes you feel deeply uncomfortable. And so I just, I think about, I guess, the fact that I had let this person inside my body and that I shared a lot of my body with them and that I did things that young women are strongly advised not to do. And I'm going to be honestly quite, I guess, specific about what happened and not hold back because I know I'm not the only one, <laughs> I guess, who has done this. And this is the point of this podcast, to be as honest as I can. And so, yeah, I had had sex with this person. I had initiated it. I had asked if I can go down on them. I had, well, allowed them to finish in my mouth, which sounds like a terribly vulgar thing to say out loud on the internet and I guess maybe it, is, it does embarrass me to say it out loud I guess I did it because that's something that I do like during sex but then I guess <laughs> once I realized that I have done this with somebody who does not care at all for me and will not care at all for me it does make me feel really like I had completely misjudged the situation it makes me feel quite dirty and I know that's a lot of internalized misogyny on my part and that I'm allowing myself to feel shame about something that, objectively speaking, I don't think I should feel ashamed about. But still, of course, <laughs> it's easy to fall back into, I guess, judgments of myself and to think, oh wow, I was a very promiscuous and slutty whore who did something really degrading and who rushed into a bad mistake and who likely lacks self-respect to do that with a stranger so fast. But then I also think about it and I think, well, that's not really why I did it. I did it because for whatever reason, I felt really safe with this stranger. I just met. I felt really natural. I felt really young and playful and like everything that we were doing seemed really exploratory and more from a place of curiosity and pleasure and that I like having sex and for somebody to finish in my mouth, even though this is a terrible thing to say on the internet. And I'm not saying it for the, the gimmick of being provocative or to try to assert myself as this sexually empowered, confident person. I say it because I'm trying to be honest and because I'm trying to understand myself. And it's something I've noticed I really like during sex. And I think I like it because my favorite parts of sex is when... I feel like I'm taking care of somebody else and when I feel like I'm doing something that I'm good at. And to be frank, I don't know, the act of somebody going down on me, for example, still makes me feel really uncomfortable. And I think it's because I've realized I can't really enjoy that unless I already have a really strong emotional connection with somebody. So instead, I really like going down on somebody else. It makes me feel good. But it's strange because I do something in the moment that makes me feel good and feels right. And it doesn't feel like a bad decision, it just feels like, again, that it's safe to do it and that it's something I really want in that moment. But then later context makes me easily feel a lot of shame about it and really uncomfortable with the decision that I personally made and felt confident about in the moment. And I think it's kind of a difficult and strange thing to talk about because conversations surrounding consent have always been, I guess, rather treacherous territory and that um, oftentimes consent is... I guess portrayed as something quite black and white and it's strange to sit with the fact that you actively and enthusiastically consent to something in one moment and then can feel a lot of regret about it later on because the context of it seems to change. I don't really know what to do with that. I guess it's also what leads me to <laughs> kind of beat myself up because I know for a fact that this guy did not do anything bad at all that he actually was really nice with me and like honestly quite caring and like checked in with me and asked me if I'm sure I even want to do this because I might regret it 
which I guess in retrospect was a clear warning from him that I won't regret it. And so I don't want to beat him up. So who else will I beat up? I'll beat up myself. And so I tell myself after that I am an idiot, that I'm a stupid, promiscuous girl who has not learned her lesson. And I don't like that I do that that's really mean i would never say that to somebody else and yet i say that to myself and so i'm trying not to but again that's kind of why i'm here right now because even after you know i felt really proud of myself for breaking down so intensely and then piecing myself back together and laughing it off and appreciating the humor of the situation and going to dinner and meeting these lovely girls with whom i was able to share what had ha- what had occurred this night and make light of something that really hurt me but then I come back to my room and I end up alone and I realize that although I laughed a lot at dinner I'm still sitting with the pain of what had took place before and that it actually hurts a lot so I was lying here and I felt really bad bad in a way that I haven't felt like this in a long time and one of the reasons why I started this podcast as well because I I think I'm a rather lonely person and I think a lot about I guess, well, intimacy and like romantic endeavors because it's something I really long after, but it's something I really struggle with because I seem to make decisions that hurt me and I seem to have certain ways of thinking that (laughs) allow me to make the same mistakes. And I have a really complicated relationship to men and to romantic intimacy because it's something I really deeply want and it's something I feel a lot of pain over. And I've had to learn how to manage that in the last, I guess, six years. And last spring, I finally felt as though I'd come out of this long five-year period of just feeling like I'm constantly somewhat drowning because of how I would go through these highs and lows all the time in my own head. And they seem to be so dictated by my relationship with men. And finally, after I'd worked through my relationship and then I met this guy who made me feel so good last spring I just I felt like I had broken free of this strange fog that I've been trapped in and I think it's very true that I did and a part of it is because well like you know I I worked through this relationship that kind of (laughs) broke me down and I had to like rebuild myself after and I met somebody who like reminded me of what pleasure really feels like now my voice is getting really funny and the that fall before that spring, I had completed an intensive DBT program. DBT is a type of therapy called dialectical behavioral therapy. I might have mentioned it here before, but I have been planning to talk about it more in depth, and I will. But basically, I'd completed that, and so a lot of these pieces had finally fallen into place for me to feel just grounded in this way that I never have, and able to really take care of myself, and I guess to have this concrete toolbox to help me in moments that I felt really bad and so since last spring I've been feeling relatively really good and though things with the guy that I really liked did not go at all my way I've not really had intense lows regarding him and so tonight has really surprised me because I came home after feeling like I've been resilient and like seen the bright side of the situation and laughed off being so humiliated and disappointed and I come back to my room And I felt so bad that I couldn't stop thinking about wanting to hurt myself. I have a history with self-harm, and it's something that I'm pretty open about. And 
it's funny where it's not something that really embarrasses me to talk about because I understand that it's a lot more common than people think, but it does embarrass and scare me to be very open about how my history with self-harm has been really tied to my relationships with men and that when things don't work out it sometimes leads me to feel so hopeless that I feel for whatever reason this unbearable amount of pain and that in the past self-harming has been my outlet for that and my history with self-harm, it's the reason that I first got into therapy when I was in high school because I went to boarding school and you weren't really allowed to hurt yourself on campus without also seeing a therapist, naturally. So yes, I went into therapy for that and every year, I guess, I would think, oh, well, this is the last time that I'm ever going to do this. But the first time I ever did it was when I was 13 and the last time that I did it was the summer of 2021 when I was going through my breakup with my ex-boyfriend and I told myself that I would never do it again just as I have many times in my life and it was not at all a good feeling <laughs> to relapse in something that I thought I'd left behind and to lose control in this way but it's been really nice since because I haven't done it since and it's not really something that I at all consider anymore because I understand how much worse it makes me feel when I do give into it and how I when I do it I'm not just hurting myself I'm really deeply hurting people who care for me a lot yeah and that even though there's this illusion that when you self-harm it helps you feel more in control it does not at all like it is you losing control and it'll just be like a much more uphill battle the next day or the next few weeks if you do give into it than if you try your best to soothe yourself and distract yourself and go to sleep and not do it because you won't want to do it in the morning it's always in this moment when you feel so much intensity and those moments always pass my attitude through therapy and i guess maybe just growing a little older has helped me i guess feel safe from that and that's why tonight has really surprised me because i come home and i'm feeling so much pain and i couldn't stop thinking about it and i haven't had this happen to me in a really long time i guess since last I mean, since two summers ago. And it's really strange to react in this way about a boy I simply do not know at all. About someone that I am not even that invested in at all. And I know it's because it's not really that much to do with him at all. It's just the fact that sometimes these experiences that have not at all gone the way I've hoped seem to accumulate. And I think about... I think about this and at the same time I think I'm thinking about the guy I really liked before and again I'm thinking about my relationship and I think about the boy from high school and I think about how each time I seem to repeat the same mistake and each time I lose control over my body and each time I get I allow myself to get really romantic and each time I get disappointed in a way that really physically hurts me and so today was really hard and that's why I'm here to talk about it because it seems that I keep making podcast episodes in moments that I feel really bad and I need to get into the routine of also making episodes when I don't feel so bad so that you understand that I am as joyful of a person as I am a sad person sometimes but yeah I guess it's strange to get overwhelmed with these feelings and urges that you have been so certain that you have moved past and you're never going to return to and that it's a really terrible feeling to regret a decision 
and it's a really terrible feeling to feel humiliated and it's a really terrible feeling to allow yourself to get romantic and hopeful and to be quite harshly disappointed at the same time it's a really nice feeling to have felt something at all regarding my romantic life rather than continuing to feel really flat for people it's nice to feel embarrassed and humiliated because it reminds me that I care deeply about things and that I'm not apathetic. It's nice to know that I am a very resilient person in my romanticism and that I've been humiliated much worse and that I keep being let down and I keep somehow still returning to this hopefulness that I'm going to meet someone and that things are going to work out and that I can feel romantic. It's a really nice feeling to know that tonight I was able to go to a dinner that I did not want to go to and had a really lovely time. It's really nice to know that I connected with these girls that I hadn't met before through this mistake that I that I feel like I've made and through something that brought me pain and embarrassed me. And I guess that that's something that helps me when I regret something that I've done that like I'm glad to be somebody who makes a lot of mistakes because it allows me to so much better connect with people than if I was somebody who was in just this like healthy relationship and have always been in one because most people I know really struggle in this department and many people that I know have really intense relationships to love and sex and their bodies and men and mental health and all these things and so as much as sometimes it really scares me to go online and tell people quite frankly that something related to a boy leads me to feel like I want to genuinely physically hurt myself when I come home that is not something I like to say because it's embarrassing. It scares people away. It is, of course, the kind of thing that a guy I might like will hear and think, oh my gosh, I should not at all get involved with her because this girl seems rather unhinged. But then I also say all these things and I realize that I am not at all the only person who feels this way. And I actually know plenty of people who feel this way. And there are plenty of people who feel this way but don't say it out loud. And that as much as I go around joking about the fact that I'm crazy and unhinged and insane, I'm also incredibly secure in the fact that I'm not at all. And that it makes perfect reason why I have the urges that I do. And that I'm just, I'm an emotionally intense person who lives life rather furiously and <laughs> pursues men aggressively and allows herself to get romantic and feels pain as deeply as I feel joy. And so I am glad to be that kind of person because I think eventually it'll lead somebody really wonderful into my life and that maybe my greatest lesson right now is to learn to I guess just do the best job I can to take care of myself and I'm really I guess kind of proud of myself tonight because I felt the urge to hurt myself in a way that I have not in a long time and I did not hurt myself and now I know that I will not and instead I lay in my bed and I let myself cry and I breathed through it, and then I got up, and I changed into comfortable clothes, I drank some water, and then I got out this microphone and started recording this podcast and reflecting on what had happened and talking really openly about something that's embarrassing. And I think that is something for me to be proud about tonight. And if tonight hadn't happened, if I had not gone to Brooklyn to perform a grand romantic gesture for a young man who does not and will not care for me and who I guess I, in retrospect, don't really, I'm not really that attached to after all anyways. If I had not done that, then I would not be back on here recording episode 5 of Intimacies by Daria. 
I hope that if you are somehow a man that I end up liking in the near future, that if you hear this episode, you're not scared away by me. Because that's something I worry about a lot still, even though I keep thinking that I've gotten over it. Because I've learned to really love these things about myself, and that's something I'm really grateful for my relationship about, because it led me to really defend certain parts of me, and mostly those parts of me that I've always felt are too much, and that I've always felt really insecure about when it comes to boys. And so in the last, I guess, year and a half, I've gotten to this place of really appreciating every single thing that has chased somebody away before and that brings me pain and that's a really cool feeling so thank you so much for listening if you're a new listener to intimacies by daria this is episode five so there are four episodes before this one that you can listen to to catch up on my relationship and on the big crush that i had for nine months whom i still think about and likely will think about for a long time and I guess this is the grand <laughs> return to podcast land. In previous episodes, I've talked about songs that I really enjoy. So I guess that is something that I will do right now, too. Three songs that I've been listening to recently are Maybe I'm Lonely by Rachel Chinururi. This song came out recently in a really good time because, well, I'm always lonely, but I clearly am particularly lonely right now. Another song that I like is <laughs> Applause by Lady Gaga, where I found that every time I feel really bad when I listen to Lady Gaga, I immediately feel a, li- a little bit better. And lastly, a song that I've really liked for a while is called Always in My Head by Coldplay. And I've learned that I really enjoy Coldplay. And it's actually a song that I listen to a lot while still deep in my crush with, well, the young man that I crushed on for nine months. So when I listen to that song, I think a lot about him. But I think I've learned that I'm just going to think about him for a while longer and that maybe that's okay. And that, of course, sometimes it hurts to think about someone you can't have, but it's also sometimes nice to like think back about, think back on a memory that did make you feel good in that moment. And so that's something I'm kind of trying to get better at thinking back on lovely things that are gone and that I can't get again and to just still remember and enjoy them as lovely rather than allowing my hurt to distort them into something bad. That's hard, but that's okay. So thank you so much for listening. My name is Daria Supan Burdena and this is Intimacies by Daria. I will be back very soon and I really appreciate you having listened to me ramble about my joys and my pains and my thoughts. That's very nice of you. Okay, I'll talk to you soon. Bye.